Welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. We're so glad you're here. Join us this season as we get to know some of our sisters, as well as women from all walks of life, as they gather around the mics every week. You can find out more about our work at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Daughters Project podcast. It is great to be with you all again today. My name is Sister Tracy Duga and I am a daughter of St. Paul coming to you from Chicago, Illinois. And I'm joined with my good sister, (laughs) Sister Benedicta, and I am here at our (laughs) provincial mother house in Boston, Massachusetts. So we are publishing a great book, a new book called A Place to Belong, and that is from Pauline Books and Media. And we're very, very happy to be talking about themes that come from that book and all of the different contributors uh, of the book. So we're excited to talk to our new guest today. But before we do so, as we usually do, we like to kind of open a little window to what life is like for us as sisters and life in the convent. So we take note of those things that we overhear in the convent or things that we oversee in the convent. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, Sister Benedicta, you had uh, a little story. Probably it connects to one of the sisters in my own community right now. It but, does. Uh, you, you go right ahead. It does. Actually, I think we talked about her last time, too, because she was making cupcakes. She's famous. She is. She oh, just... right. Yeah. <laughs> but it happens. Sometimes you get you get famous. She's she's good for yeah. stories. But uh, so, OK, I wasn't here. I wasn't there for this particular story. But what I heard was, you know, when telemarketers call and like they ask a question and you can tell that like yeah. they're not calling for someone in particular. It's just really like they're yeah. they're calling you like cold calling off a list and they don't necessarily even know who they're calling. And mm. so somebody had called where the daughters of St. Paul, right? And somebody had called and said, yes, may, may I speak to Mr. St. Paul, please? And she said, <laughs> well, he's not here, but his daughters are. <laughs> and, and well, that's so, quick. I know, I know. Nice She's quick, quick that response. way, right? And uh, yeah. it was reminding me, like, when I was a postulant, so I was brand new to the community and things were still pretty new to me. I answered the phone and somebody from some doctor's office had called. They said... I have a message here for somebody. I can't quite read the handwriting, but it's either Marie or Maria. And I said, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to need you to be more specific. Mm-hmm. And the guy laughed. And and he said, wait, so there's more than one? I said, there are six. And he goes, he goes what is this, a convent? I said, as a matter of fact, it is. What a great guess. He, he deserves like 50 points just for that. No, to be fair, this was St. Louis where there's like a bajillion yeah. religious community. Yeah, here, he so, probably but still. had a little awareness. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, that's funny. That's pretty good. I mean, you know, sometimes you do. You hope people can kind of reach and get it. Or <laughs> I got mail in one day. Our address is exactly right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was addressed to Sister Mary Grace Wow. <laughs> I was like, wow. You know, I could just see myself submitting that as a request. (laughs) Sisters, I prayed and I did my eight days of silent retreat and discernment. And I really feel the Lord is calling me to be named Sister Grace. Wow. (laughs) And I have reasons for it. If you want to know, I'll explain at another time. You know, I could just about imagine Grace. Wow. I took a picture of it. That would be incredible. 
I could just I see know. the look on the superior's face. Yeah. And sister, how would you like to be named from now until the end of eternity? <laughs> what would you like Grace? engraved wow. on, your gra- you. on your headstone? On your headstone. Grace. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it has a nice little sentiment to it, doesn't it? Wow. Grace. I feel like you have to use jazz hands when you say it. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, Grace. But it was Grace Wow. So that's why I know it was done by a machine. Anyways, Sister Benedicta, are you excited about what we're going to talk about today? I am, Sister Tracy. You know, I read this chapter and I have to say, I was like, ooh, ooh, this is good. Mm, This is good. Ooh, this is awful. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We are so, so happy to welcome Meg Hunter Kilmer. So, Meg, welcome. Thanks, sisters. I'm so excited to be with y'all. Aw, thank you. So I was thinking just to first ask you, like, how did we get connected with you? I got an email from Corinne, and she just asked if I wanted to be involved in this project, and it sounded really cool. So I said, yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, what brought you to this point of speaking, especially about what you speak about in the book, which um, covers... The theme of receptivity and openness and readiness to do God's will. I guess that's what I meant about it's awesome, but it's it's awful. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that way about my life a lot, sister. Really? I yeah, I kind of I don't know. I feel like that's part of being part of being abandoned to the Lord, right? Mm, Is that there's mm, mm. there's a lot of awesome and a lot of like, oh, I did not know this is what I was signing <laughs> yeah. up for. Like, yeah. oh Jesus, I love you. I do love you. And I don't know if I love this, but mm, I do mm. love you. Mm-hmm. Um and so I am a missionary. I live out of my car. Um, and I drive around the country and I fly around the world and I tell people how much God loves them. So I have been living out of my car for almost nine years now. Wow. Uh, I've been to 50 states and 25 countries and I don't know, hundreds of thousands of miles I've put on my car. Um, all because I kind of got the sense that that's what God was asking me to do. And again, mm. not what I had ever planned for my life. I'm super type A. I'm very much a homebody. And the Lord was like, nope, I don't want you to have any home or any plans of any kind, maybe forever. I don't know. Um, And he is very, very good to me in the midst of all of that. But it is it's not one of those things where like one day I woke up and was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, this is really what I want from my life. It's not like it's it's not not. the life that I ever wanted. And it's not really the life that I want now, but I want him and he is worth it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day and she was kind of like, because, you know, I was sort of feeling some feelings as you do sometimes. And she was saying, well, if if this is how you're feeling, like maybe why why don't you just be done? And I was like, well, being unhappy is not the same thing as not being at peace. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, I am at peace that this is where God seems to want me right now. And like in life, you just have stretches where you're unhappy, Mm. you know, and I'm, I'm certainly not saying that if you're in an abusive situation or if you're in a really dehumanizing job or anything like that, you should just like buckle down and push through. I'm saying that like sometimes things are just hard and that doesn't mean that you run, right? Mm. Sometimes things are hard and it does mean that you run, (laughs) but this is not one of those situations. Uh, And I was just like, if this is, if this is where the Lord has me, then I'm going to try to praise him for that. And I have been incredibly blessed just that the Lord has shown me so much fruit from the life that he's asked me to live. Mm. Um, and I know a lot of people 
who are living lives that they would never have chosen, mm-hmm. that they do not want to be living, who don't have that grace, mm-hmm. you know, who are single, not by choice, or who uh, have been abandoned by their spouse, or who are living with infertility, who there may be a lot of fruit that the Lord is working through that, but they have not yet been able to see it. The mm-hmm. Lord has not made that evident to them mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. And that's a really hard place to be. Mm. A really, really hard yeah. place to be. And I've just been so blessed that in the midst, in and through the very things that I am least delighted with about my life, mm. God is doing miraculous things. Mm. And it's it's not just because like, okay, well, you freed up space in the circumstances. It's God saying like, no, your suffering right now is bringing peace to this person's heart. Not just because you happen to be suffering, but like the fact of your suffering is a gift to the world. Mm, And that has been such a blessing and so healing and doesn't always make everything easier, Mm. uh, but it does root me in the cross and the promise that suffering taken on for love of Jesus or embraced for love of Jesus can work miracles. Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing you and I, I can only assume that you had to come to this, right? You had to journey a little before. I mean, when I was in high school, I saw young adult missionaries living out of a van come into my parish and they did amazing ministry. They they actually woke me up to a lot of things. And I feel like my conversion started to happen because I received their generosity in just doing this crazy thing. So I woke up to the reality that you could have a person out there who is just giving of themselves and living out of their car for the sake of something greater. Did you have people like that in your life? Or is that what this is modeled after? No, no, not at all. Um, Because I'm I'm like, what makes you see that? I did encounter net missionaries. This is very Mm -hmm. different from that. Mm -hmm. um, Because So much of my life is rooted in the uncertainty Mm -hmm. Um, and net, I think, has totally different challenges, Mm -hmm, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't have the challenge of living out of a van with nine other people, right? right? Like, (laughs) God forbid. Um, I mean, that's beautiful. That's a great. And every family thinks they're being like, you know, special by feeding you lasagna. (laughs) You're like, everybody does. Everybody lasagna. This are all the time lasagna. I Yeah. Yeah. People who are like, they're like, I'm so sorry. I know you just want a home cooked meal, but we have to go to a restaurant tonight. And I'm like, I get to pick, <laughs> I get to, I get to pick my own yeah. food for my yeah. own self. Like I'm a grown up. Wow. Yeah. Um, no. So uh, for me, so I, um, Grew up outside DC and went to Notre Dame, got a couple degrees in theology from Notre Dame and really had just for years, basically since my conversion, wanted to be a religion teacher. I actually remember finding out that religion teacher was a job and I was like, stop. (laughs) You mean I can get paid to force people to listen to me talk about Jesus? (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Obviously sign me up for that. Super excited about that. And so I taught for five years. um, And then at the end of my fifth year teaching, it was just very clear to me that God was calling me out of the classroom. And I really had no idea what that could mean because that was all I'd ever wanted to do. It's all I'd ever trained for. Um, And I, I couldn't think of any other work that 
that I felt drawn to. And I was talking to a priest friend and he was like, well, you're good at public speaking. You've been wanting to do more of that. And I was like, that's cute. Uh, but you can't just quit life and be a public speaker. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. not a job. You have to like mm-hmm. amp up into that. And I just felt the Lord saying like, tell me why not. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't come up with a reason not to be functionally homeless and unemployed. Right. And I, I am not, I am not a bohemian kind of a person. I'm not chill. I'm not go with the flow. I'm like super achievement oriented, very intense. And I'm sitting here like, yeah, no, I should, I should really just live out of my car. Like I'll stay at random people's houses and I won't have a job and I'll just tell everybody I'm the flakiest person in the world. And the fact that I was at peace with that, I was like, well, that's a God thing. Cause there is no way on planet earth that I ever would come to that conclusion on my own. Uh, and I thought it was going to be for two months. I really was like, God is just testing me a little bit. He's like, how much do you trust me? And then he's going to give me a job. And he was like, or alternatively, <laughs> we're just going to do this for like, who knows how long years. I mean, almost a decade, right? Hmm. Um, which is, it's an incredible mercy that the Lord didn't let me in on the plan at the beginning. Uh, I really always want to know his plan because I want to approve, you know, I want to initial at the bottom. I, I want the control, like I'm willing to say yes to him, but I want the control of knowing what I'm saying yes to. There's no way if God had been like, I just want you to live in a car for a decade. There's no way I would have been like, clearly I have like a brain tumor or something like this is not, there's, I can't be possible. Um, and so because he's just so gentle with me, he was like, well, just, just say yes to two months. And then at the end of two months, he was like, just say yes to a couple more months, you know? And it, so it was a very gradual thing before I was like, oh shoot, this is just my life. Like I'm just a hobo. Like I just live in a car. <laughs> okay. Well, here we are then. <laughs> Living in a car. So how does one live in a car? <laughs> well, I don't sleep in my car. I, uh, okay. people's moms are always like, oh my gosh, you sleep in your car. And I'm like, no, no, no. I sleep in strangers houses. And they're like, oh, that's better. And that's I just want to go. It's all- is it though? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is um but yeah so I I mean it kind of depends on the season in pandemic time I am not moving very frequently and so I'm staying with people who I'm friends with who I know I'm comfortable staying with for a good long stretch of time um but in general I would say maybe half the time I'm just staying with people who reached out on the internet and invited me to come speak at their parish or we're just like hey I see that you're driving along this route if you ever need a place to stop in Montana and I'm like yes because there are six people in Montana so please (laughs) it's not an easy state to cross in one day right it's like 17 hours across or something insane (laughs) Um, so uh, yeah and they you know I do uh, I do a lot of speaking um, and so that's kind of what motivates most of the driving is that I'm going to another event um, or you know and sometimes it's just like I just really feel like I should go to Malta. I just really feel like I should go to Malta. And who's ever thought about Malta, right? So I figured that had to be from God. And then I was going to be in Europe and I checked and plane tickets from where I was staying were 12 euros. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to go to Malta. That's a you know, like, to go to Malta. Yeah, know. sometimes it's an invitation and sometimes it's just like a very sudden and random urging. And I tend to pay a lot of attention to those sudden random urgings because mm-hmm. I have seen the Holy Spirit at work. Well, I wanted to talk about that. I really did. Because number one, the impression and the feeling that I got was that you have come to a way of relating to the Lord that you actually stop and listen, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which isn't easy. So we need to talk about that. 
-hmm. then you actually have moments where something comes in in some way that I guess in your estimation and from what you know of yourself, you can say, I don't think this is coming from me. So you see it's from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then you actually do something. <laughs> so I'm going to back the car up a little bit and go backwards a little <laughs> and say, okay, so first, when you talked about sitting in front of the tabernacle, I'm like, girl, preach, because I know what that's like. We've been doing that for like years, depending on how long we've been in the convent. And also trying to do it when we were visiting the sisters, you know. Oh, yeah. And then I just even remember that lonely night on Holy Thursday when I would go to Mass with my parents and we would get to the, you know, after the, 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 the celebration of the Lord's Supper and they would take the altar cloths away and the candles oh. away and they turn off all the lights and i'd look at my parents like what are we still doing here <laughs> it was like we're spending time with jesus like he did with the apostles in the garden and i'm like this is not a garden this is a sad little <laughs> church and what the heck you know <laughs> so, don't even got any decorations now so yeah, yeah. Okay. Or when I would visit the sisters and I would see them sitting there in the pew, mm -hmm. almost like the same posture that you're sitting watching TV, except there were no moving people or interesting <laughs> TV shows that they were. So, But they're like wrapped. Their, their attention is yeah. just like completely. And then sometimes it was like they were writing things down. And I was like, what yeah. the heck are they writing? You know? They got a hidden phone <laughs> in wanted... there or something? Yeah, <laughs> this is even before, you know, you could bring your phone into church. That was unheard of. <laughs> so I digressed a little. But to get back to some of the feelings I had, you know, that feeling of, of being before the Lord in silence. And just what brought you to that? Yeah. What inspired you? Um, so silent prayer is incredibly important. I was going to say to me, but I'm just actually going to end the sentence there. Silent prayer is incredibly important. Mm, period, yeah. And you don't hear it preached on very often. Like mm -hmm. I can think of one homily ever where the priest was encouraging people not to a particular devotion and devotions are great, mm -hmm. but just to be still with the Lord as a discipline mm -hmm. and not only in response to a certain need, right? Like I think mm -hmm. all of us who are seeking to be in relationship with the Lord. If we're in a point of crisis, we're just going to go and sit and talk to Jesus, mm -hmm. right? But when things are moving pretty smoothly, a lot of times we sort of content ourselves with our rosary and our devotional and daily mass mm -hmm. and things that are incredible, right? Mm -hmm. Like it does not get better than receiving Jesus in the Eucharist, mm -hmm. but it's very easy in a faithful Catholic life to fill your prayer life with so much noise that you can drown out the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that's not because there's anything wrong with the rosary or scripture, God forbid, or the mass. It's because we can use the words that we're hearing or the words that we're reading or that mm -hmm. we're re repeating. We can use those to hold God at arm's length, but there is nothing to hide behind in silence, mm -hmm. which is tremendously uncomfortable mm -hmm. at times. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us know this, you know, I had a student one time we were in first Friday adoration, which was mandatory for my kids. And he actually went to confession. So I was like super psyched that this kid mm -hmm. had gone to confession and he came out and he did his like half meal football player thing. Right. Um, and prayed <laughs> his penance. Mm -hmm. And then immediately he pulled out his phone 
And I went over and I was like, bro, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm on Twitter. I was like, you just went to confession. And he was like, yeah. And then he looked at me and he goes, Miss HK, I can't be alone with myself. Mm. And I was just like, oh, the self-knowledge on this football player. Like, but next step, buddy, (laughs) next step. Like you recognize that you're afraid of being alone with yourself, but like, why? Mm-hmm. Right? Can we mm-hmm. can we push into that a little bit? And I think a lot of us we resist silent prayer just because it's really boring. Just really, yeah, yeah. really, really boring. And I'm gonna be honest, like I have been very serious about silent prayer for a long time and I still often find it very boring. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because The purpose of silent prayer is not to make yourself a mystic. You can't do that. Mm. The purpose of silent prayer is to make space for God to speak. And if he doesn't want to say anything, that is his prerogative Mm. as the God who created the universe and holds galaxies in the palms of his hands. Like he's allowed to give me 45 awkward silent minutes. He's allowed to give me 45 awkward silent years, right? Like Mm. my job is not to demand that he produce feelings in my heart or that he speak words in my soul my job is to show up and to make space Mm. for him and so I um I realized this actually I spent a little bit of time in a convent and I had been running hard after Jesus for about 12 years before I entered and I'd been reading the bible and I'd been praying the rosary I've been praying the office and all of this stuff and nobody had ever said to me like just sit and talk to God even when you have nothing to say And so I got to the convent and that was, you know, part of religious life. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, what have I been doing with all of this noise in my prayer life and never given him the space to speak? And so when I left, you know, I'm a pretty stubborn person and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't leaving because I couldn't cut it. And so I was like, well, I'm still going to live the same prayer life. Um, And so spending time before the tabernacle every day has been uh, essential to my life for I guess it's probably been about 12 years since then. Um, and it's just been such a gift. And it's so important in my discernment, you know, because discernment is not just figuring out your vocation, right? Discernment mm-hmm. is a posture of openness to what the Lord is calling you to, which might mean what restaurant he's calling you to go to tonight, which is why we know that discernment doesn't mean sitting and waiting for a booming voice from heaven, mm-hmm. right? Discernment means giving God space to speak and then doing something, not just sitting still forever waiting for the still small voice to whisper into your heart, but like picking something. And so for me, discernment really just looks like spending that time in silent prayer every day and then living my life, Mm -hmm. right? I very rarely feel a really strong inclination that the Lord is asking me to do something. Mm -hmm. I give him space to speak and then I trust that either he's going to form my heart to desire what he desires, or he's going to step in and dot me before I do something stupid, or he's going to fix it after I mess up. Like I don't need to agonize in indecision because I have given him space to move my heart and to speak to my heart. And if he's not doing it, that's not my fault. And if I get something enormously wrong, I can't blame myself for that because I've, I've given him I've given him that space. And so I, I really, I tell people all the time, I think I'm going to go to my judgment and Jesus is going to be like, sweet child, you thought I wanted you to be a hobo. <laughs> Baby girl, that's not a thing. People don't do that. And I'm just going to like wilt before him and be like, I'm so sorry. He's going to stop me and be like, oh no, like you tried so hard. Like it was 
it was weird but honey you tried so hard and I am so proud of you you know I think God is just so pleased with our earnest efforts Mm. and when we're making that space for him to speak and then living radically for love of him even if we're really really wrong I think the Lord delights in our desire to please him I could just tell that that's going to be a word for people there's going to be people out there that are going to be like I've just felt the love of God just Mm. enter my my reality one of the things you're reminding me of is it could be another overheard in the comment but there's a prayer in our prayer Mm. book and part of it is that it asks the blessed mother to place her holy hand upon our heads and there's a mm. sister here who regularly prays it, oh, place your holy hand upon my mouth. You know, like <laughs> whatever it is that I that's about to come out, I need you to hold it back. Or every once in a while I think of her right saying that. <laughs> I love that so that's much. Awesome. But oh, yeah, because yes. sometimes it's like not only not only do we need discernment in like what we're gonna say and like how we're gonna act on it and sometimes it's like i'm i'm on fire and i'm gonna do it but sometimes i just need the lord to just kind of like you know oh oh, sweetie sweetie i need you to sit back for this one or also in prayer like sometimes i come and i am raring to go and i'm like ready to just like pour my heart out or just like intercede with some kind of passion or something and every once in a while the lord is just like just just be you know, just yeah. be with me. Just, just chill. Just let's just. Can we just look at each other for a little bit? Mm. I got mm-hmm. it. You know, mm-hmm. I got it. I just think too. Even if you wanted to share, what told you that about God? You know, like that you could say, "Ah, oh, maybe I'm just doing this wrong." Like from start to finish, or like I got the wrong idea, and so I built my life on something that the Lord maybe in the end is going to be like. Oh no, Shug, I didn't say that. I didn't say you know. I just think it's so beautiful that your mm-hmm. life with the Lord mm-hmm. would bring you to that kind of angle on his love for you or on yeah. his love for you. So Yeah, that's a great question, Sister Tracy. I my my first thought is actually um as a teacher trying to explain to my students the salvation of nonbelievers mm-hmm. and the way that the Lord could be pleased with people's sincere efforts, even when they were horrifically misguided, Mm. you know? And I remember talking as a teacher to my students about suicide bombers and saying like, this is obviously not okay, right? This is obviously not okay. And God is not pleased with those actions. But some of those men really genuinely have wrestled with this and are saying like, I want to give glory to God with my entire life. And I think he's asking me to do this and it is not right. And that does not make it not evil, but just thinking about how God sees the desires of their hearts and he Mm -hmm. sees through the brainwashing Mm -hmm. and he sees through all of the trauma that's Mm -hmm. led up to that place. And he's able, he's able to see the heart of someone who wants to love him. And just recognizing that like, if God is able to do that with people who do horrific things, Mm -hmm. like he can do it with me picking the wrong vocation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and just the way that God blesses our circumstances, even when they're not something that obviously was the ideal. You know, I remember being told probably in my twenties sometime, um, and I've never been able to find the line. So I'm not sure if it's true, but I was told that St. Thomas Aquinas says, if you do not have a vocation to religious life and you make final vows, God gives you a vocation to religious life. Mm. And just recognizing that like, you can be so wrong and God's not sitting there going like, well, 
You got it wrong, so you get no grace, no grace of any kind ever again. You're just gonna be miserable. You know what's? It's more like God's going, "Oh, this is gonna be harder." Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. this is gonna be harder, but okay. Like here we go. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. if you're not called to marriage and you get married, God is like, "Not a sacrament. You get nothing." No, He's like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna bless this marriage, and I'm gonna bless this relationship, yeah. and I'm gonna bless this family." And yeah, maybe it's gonna be harder mm-hmm. for you, and maybe things aren't gonna go great, but. God doesn't abandon us because we're stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, like even yeah. if we're, even if we're <laughs> deliberately stupid, even if it's through our own fault where we turn our backs on him, if God doesn't turn from us when we sin grievously, how can he turn from us when we're seeking him and just stepping wrong? Yeah. yeah. And this is the love that, I mean, I remember hearing a priest pray this. He says, what we need from you, Lord, is the love that came before that came before mm. our fallenness, that came before mm. our sin, the love that moved toward us to create us, that is just the goodness of God's generosity that wanted to share his life. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like if we can know that love and, and almost like allow ourselves to experience the grace of that love, then we have a place to even conceive of how God could be merciful mm-hmm. because that's just his reaction to our, our truth and our mistakes. It reminded me of a story, and I think it's fun, so I'm going to share it. But um, it was right before I started kindergarten, and we lived in this trailer park, and our neighbors, like, two doors down got a swing set in the backyard of their trailer, right? So we were all super excited about this. This is, like, the most exciting thing ever. But Mom said, don't use the swing set until they tell us it's ready, and I was like, yeah, okay, sure, fine, whatever. I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. So as soon as mom's like turned around and like gardening or something, I go over and what do I do? I use the swing set. And you know how like when you really start going, you know uh-huh. how like the set just like starts to jump and stuff, right? Well, yeah. what I didn't know was that you got to like chain that to the ground. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so I'm going on the swing set, right? And I am like just so proud of myself. I'm going so high. I'm making this baby jump. And I fall and I hit my head on, you know, those scalloped bricks is the 80s. This is really popular, like line your garden Uh with the scalloped bricks, right? Scalloped bricks. Yeah. So I hit the back of my head on one of these scalloped bricks. And I run up to my mom who's doing yard work in the backyard. And I remember very clearly, I didn't tell her what happened. I didn't want to say anything. I knew I was bleeding pretty profusely. But I walked up to her and I said, "Uh, Mom, my head hurts. (laughs) (laughs) and she threw me in the car yelled at the neighbor to take care of my little brother and sister and i had to go get stitches in the back of my head right and but the fact is i'm gushing blood i feel like maybe from my head my head hurts you know like yeah not i was a stupid idiot and did exactly what you told me not to do yeah my head hurts you know same same thing Lost in translation. And and so I had to go get his ditches. And, you know, she never yelled at me for disobeying her because it was the same love that told told me not to get on the swing set was the Mm. love that took care of me when I did the stupid thing. You know, and I think Mm. sometimes we look at God and we think he's just going to be like, well, look who's bleeding now. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. look at that mess you made. Got enough towels? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas God's like, let's work the problem. Let's work the problem. (laughs) You know, like, let's 
let's deal with this now. Almost like kind of what the feeling I got from what you were sharing, Meg, is like he takes us from where we are and stays good, generous, loving in Mm -hmm. that. And that was what we call mercy, you know, in the face of our fallenness. This is how he keeps being him. (laughs) Whereas for us, we would say, you better twist my arm for me to be merciful to you. Mm -hmm. He's like, God's like, no. And Jesus describes the father. He's like, he is merciful. Mm -hmm. He is merciful. I think it really helps me also to remember that I am not a grown up in the face of God. Mm -hmm. You know, like I think Mm -hmm. I am, like I think I'm grown. I think Mm -hmm. I know what I'm doing and I'm a toddler and that's a, an incredible grace because mm-hmm. if I'm a grown up in the face of God, then I really ought to know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But I, but I'm not, and He knows, and you've seen that, right? When you're when you've got a toddler who loves you and they destroy something in order to make you a gift, and you like obviously your baser self wants to just like <laughs> drop kick that child through a window. <laughs> Why? Why would you paint all over my favorite book? You know, whatever. But. But you know, that child was trying to do something loving, you know, and when I'm, when I'm a total disaster before God, and it's not because I'm trying to seek him, it's because I'm running from them. Like he knows my wounds. He knows Mm -hmm. that I need a nap and a snack. Like he knows, Mm -hmm. he knows what I'm lacking in the way that the most perfect parent does. And I think it's so much easier for me to be gentle with myself when I remember that he sees me as his incredibly dear child, this little girl who throws fits, but he knows my blood sugar, right? Like he, <laughs> he knows how I've been treated in the past. Like he knows my heart and he is always going to see me with a father's eyes. And that's just, oh, it's just such a blessing to be loved like that. Yeah. One of the other things that I really marveled about as, as I was uh, reading what you shared in your chapter was it is one thing to listen for the Lord and listen for him in the silence of life, you know, like in those places where we're, we're just not sure what to do or, or, or what to do next. Um, what really touched me was the seriousness of the voice of God in your life. Like you allow are allowing it to move you to live in a way that isn't the typical way <laughs> of moving about in the world. And yet you witnessed a few stories. And if you wanted to share something here um, about like what motivates you to keep doing it, because I'm sure there are times where you're like, am I getting this right? I don't know. This is weird, you know, or you just don't see fruits. But then there are times where you do. Um, But what do you do in the times where it's kind of hard to tell? Yeah, I Um, I'm tremendously grateful for the number of times that the Lord has given me some insight where he's given me that glimpse. And I, I like to collect those. Uh, I heard a homily once, best homily I ever heard, an Italian priest preaching in London. Everything about it was random, but those tend to be the best, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. I was and like, my Italian is, is good, but it's not usually good enough to follow every word of a homily, Mm -hmm. but like the Holy spirit was moving Mm -hmm. that day. And Mm -hmm. It, um, it was the feast of the Ascension or yeah, of the Ascension. No, sorry. Of the transfiguration. And he was preaching on the way that Jesus brought Peter, James, and John up the mountain to see him transfigured so that they would have, as Pope John Paul says, um, the strength to endure 
watching his disfigured face on Calvary. Mm. And he was talking about how God gives us those moments Mm. so that we can endure the experience of life that is so often Good Friday or what sometimes is worse, Holy Saturday. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think you can, you can hang on through the suffering, Mm -hmm. but silence is much harder in the, in the uncertainty and the nothingness and the darkness and the, is there any room for any hope? It's hard. It's hard to cling to the Lord. Mm. Uh, And he said, you need to sit down with your life and look at the Tabor moments in your life. Mm. You know, he said, make a list, put it on your bathroom mirror. If that's what you need to do. Mm. Look at the moments where God has been present. Look at the moments where his grace has overwhelmed you. Look at the the little miracles, you know, the, the little things that in the moment seem like incredible gifts that you forget afterwards because it's not a miraculous healing from cancer. It's an orange where there shouldn't have been one, you know, like those little things that in that moment, you're like, God, you were so good. And then you completely <laughs> forget about it. And I think that has been, that that approach has been one of the things that really sustains me in this life is that I do sort of keep a running list of the times that my discernment was spot on. And it's not just like, oh, this person said, like, thank you for what you said. Like, that's, that's great. But like, I, I know as a rule that God is able to speak pretty powerfully through me when I'm speaking, when I'm writing, what really sort of nags at me is like, but do you have to be doing it like this? Do you have to be living in a car? Do you have to be getting up on Tuesday morning, not knowing what state you're going to be in Wednesday? You know, like, is that a thing that has to continue to be the case? And the number of times that the Lord has shown me my, um, just the, the incredible miracles that he's working in other people's lives through my availability, through my discernment, you know, the number of times that all of a sudden I felt like, oh my gosh, I need to go to this state, or I should really fly out of this airport, or I should not ask anybody to host me in this city until the day before I'm going to get there. And then God just makes it very clear that he was working in that, you know, that it was, it wasn't just my openness, but, but the suddenness and the way that he's working in people's lives. Um, And so I hang on to those things and I say, okay, I may, I may not be, I'm sure I'm not getting everything right, but he has shown me frequently enough that he's doing incredible things through this uncertainty and through uh, my need to be super flaky in my travel plans, which I don't know that I will ever love, <laughs> that I can, I can trust that he's not going to give me those consolations if he's not trying to, uh, trying to give me a piece in that response to his will. Mm. The spiritual director that I had or director of a retreat or something. And it was, don't waste the grace. Mm. Like almost pray again over a grace you were given. Not to like relive, because that was definitely something that I think I would get wrapped up in in the beginning of my spiritual journey. Like, oh, I felt this thing. I want to feel it again. You know, and it's almost like you want to kind of twist God's arm to make you feel something. And um, so it's not really that, but it's more about, um, do you have more for me, God? Is there more you want to tell me about this gift you gave me or this image I received in prayer or this conversation I had with somebody? Like to revisit things with that spirit of receptivity 
to the voice of God and how God, um, just like the, the word of God is living and active, God is living and active and he can speak to me about uh, something that I received and also deepen my ability to like, let it sink in, mm-hmm. you know? And just, you know, that invitation to continue to be grateful mm-hmm. for graces that are no longer evident in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember I was, uh, my last semester of college, I, that Lent was just so filled with the goodness of God that I would literally be walking across the quad and this is back in the day. So you don't have a smartphone or like all you have to do while you're walking is talk to Jesus, you know, or like deal with your life. Uh, and I would just burst into laughter because I was so overwhelmed by God's goodness. I would start to skip and, you know, and then I would like stop myself and I'd be like, this is weird. Like you're in college. People are looking at you. What are you Get doing? it together, girl. Get would, it together. I would just do this, this little jump because I was so overwhelmed with God's goodness. And I remember that semester saying, if this is all the joy I ever feel in him, it is enough. If it is all the joy I ever feel in him, it is enough. But those experiences only remain enough when we continue to call them to mind and to thank God for them. Mm -hmm. Because it's very easy years later just to forget that that ever happened. Mm -hmm. But the Lord, I think, invites us. And we see this in scripture all the time when Israel recites again and again the good things God has done for them. And, you know, if you pray the bravery, there are times when you're like, we get it. You drowned Pharaoh and his chariots and charioteers in the Red Sea. Like, we get it. We saw the movie, we know, and it just shows up again and again and again in the scriptures. And it's not because the Israelites only had one story. It's because nobody has suffered like Israel. Nobody has suffered like Israel. And they sit there soaking in the victories of God from thousands of years ago, so that they can remember who God is. Because if we can remember who God is, it doesn't matter what he's doing right now. He is for us. He is working for our good. He was working for their good, even for Pharaoh's good, even for Egypt's good during the Exodus. And he's working for our good now. When he seems silent, he is still the God who rescued you that night at that youth retreat. He is still the God who gave you that moment of grace. He is still the God who raised the dead. Mm -hmm. And when we call to mind these moments in our lives, these moments in the lives of the saints, these moments in the life of the church, in the life of Christ, in the Old Testament, we remember who God is. And we then are able to trust that God is working even when we don't see what he's doing. Mm Preach it, sister. That was a really good thought. We got to just have like a whole series with each of our guests. Honestly, this is. I uh, know. This is like an embarrassment. Hey, I got of some riches. high quality people in this book. We got like some, yeah. we got an embarrassment of riches going on right here. This is like, mm-hmm. this is like a lot. So mm-hmm. we want to go deeper. I, I think mm-hmm. all of us that mm-hmm. are hearing the conversation, especially in this season of these podcasts, it's like God is making the invitation through yeah. each of your experiences and lives to some part of us and and I think that then we're free to respond but also the beauty of of your story and how the the beauty that God is he's writing a story with me he's writing a story with every last person out there and and he himself is 
good. He wants us to discover that for ourselves. So I think just to make that invitation for folks to really look at how God is speaking to them. And if you want to go deeper, um, the book, A Place to Belong, is coming out. It's coming out March 25th. And that is going to be a great day because this is when you can have all of these testimonies to help you to pray and to reflect on your own experience and see how God is really the one who's leading us through our own slavery into freedom, into his presence forever. Amen. Well, it's been awesome. It has. And I know, Sister Benedicta, we usually end our conversations in God's presence, bringing it all together through a prayer. Yeah. Um, So... I'm going to leave that in your capable hands. Yeah, I found this prayer that I thought would be appropriate from the founder of our community, Blessed James Alberione. Um, and it's in the Queen of Apostles prayer book. It's uh, The title is for the choice of a life vocation, but I think it's I think it's a good prayer just for discernment generally. So we can pray that together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, I believe in your wisdom and love. I believe you created me for heaven and marked out for me the path to reach it. I believe that you await me there in heaven to give me the reward of the faithful servant. Give me light and show me the pathway you want me to follow. Grant me the courage and strength to follow my life's path with peace and generosity. I ask this of you through Jesus Christ, your son, and through Mary, my queen and mother. Amen. Amen. Virgin Mary, Mother of Jesus. Make us saints. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, yeah. and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Meg, if people want to connect with you, how do they do that? So, the easiest thing to do is to Google Hobo for Christ, <laughs> and you'll find my website. I am not super active on my website, but I've got all of the buttons for social media. So, um, I'm super active on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And I've got a podcast, but you got to listen to old episodes because I forgot that I had a podcast for like a year. Um, but, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe I'll remember again. Who knows? There you go. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. So much fun. My pleasure. Thank you, sisters, so much. God bless you. And, and thank you to everybody who was listening with us this week. And we will talk to you again next week. And in the meantime, we'll be praying for you. God bless. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a fruit of the Daughters Project. This initiative of the Daughters of St. Paul to spread the gospel online is made possible by our generous Patreon supporters. Consider joining us in our mission by contributing to Patreon today. You can find us at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. God bless you.